tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I am sitting here in my coziest clothes trying to stay warm. It is officially that time of year here in New York where I put this on my story this morning. It's like, sorry for what I said when I was cold weather. It's like, I am just adjusting at this point because I know it's going to get colder. It always gets colder. It's honestly the coldest in the city in like February or like late January, February, even March, that's when it honestly snows in the city. Like we don't really get snow in December unless it's like one of those random cold days and the snow happens, but it doesn't necessarily stick. Like I've never seen a snowy Christmas in New York, like in every movie you see, like it hasn't happened, but that doesn't mean it doesn't get cold here. Like if you're visiting, if you're planning to visit the city, dress accordingly. I suggest a lot of layers because it's really cold, but it's one of those colds where you're freezing, then you go into a store and they're blasting the heat. So you're hot and then you're sweating and then you're cold again. It's like one of those sorts of things, but I'm trying to stay warm. I'm trying to stay healthy. I'm trying to just get through the last couple of weeks before the holidays, before I'm going to try to take off some time to spend with the family and do all that. And it's honestly one of my most favorite things to see the emails where it's like, let's reconnect after the holidays. Like, let's discuss after the holidays. Those are the best emails to receive. It's like, okay, we have some stuff to do. We have some unfinished business, but that's an after New Year's thing. That's a 2023 thing. (laughs) And right now I'm just trying to get through all of the last little 2022 things before we embark on a brand new chapter. And because it's the holidays, because, you know, there's a lot of stress that comes with the holidays. It's one of those things where it, it appears to be this bright, shiny, merry time. And it is for many people and it is for many of us even, but that doesn't mean that we don't have those moments where we're like, okay, life is a little depressing right now, or I'm really overwhelmed or feeling very less than, or I don't know. I have these moments and I think yesterday it was kind of a continuation of my Sunday scaries because I had a really amazing weekend, but filled with a lot of drinking, with a lot of merriment, with a lot of celebrating. And that tends to result in a day after all of that where you're like, oh my God, I'm spiraling out of control. And my spiraling continued into Monday. And yesterday I was like, I had this moment of feeling almost like, okay, I love New York, but am I making a mistake? Am I in the wrong place? I'm 27. Like, am I doing it all wrong? And you have that crushing feeling of like, am I screwing up? And then today I woke up, I went to the gym, I had my morning routine. I went and grabbed a couple of last minute things for two secret Santas I have this week. I have one tonight and one tomorrow night. I'm hosting one tonight with Brooke and Danielle and Margo and Margo, and I'm making a giant charcuterie board. So I headed out and grabbed a bunch of last minute little gifts and things and I was looking around as I was walking through Soho. It was the coldest morning ever, but I still felt, I was like, okay, you know what? Everything is going to be okay. 
I'm very much a roller coaster kind of person when it comes to my feelings, as you guys know if you listen to the podcast. But I was having a rough day yesterday, and today was a good day, and it's very much like that. Like it's not a constant, and I think many of us can relate to that. So I thought with this week's episode, I would bring a really happy, uplifting, really heartwarming story into the mix because I feel like I've been talking about some really interesting but kind of um, slightly depressing subjects over the past few weeks. Like I, you know, I'm one of those people who I love interesting things and I'm always going to dive into it no matter how dark, no matter how much it makes you really look at yourself and think like, what is going on in my head? What do I even think? What do I even feel? But this week, I'm going to bring us a story that is just going to warm your soul. It's going to warm your cold, cold heart if you're feeling like you have a cold, cold heart (laughs) because you're cold or because you're like, I am just questioning everything. This is a good story for one of those days. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's going to be really great. But before I get into that, I do just want to give a little shout out to my good friends, Brooke and Danielle of Gals on the Go, another podcast you guys have to listen to if you haven't already discovered it. But I just want to say if they're listening and to whoever loves them as much as I love them, they did an incredible job with their live show on Friday night, which I went to. Part of the reason why I was having scaries on Sunday because I drank a lot because I was excited and that tends to happen. And then after that, the next morning, I went to Danielle's and we did a nice little holiday party at her apartment. So it was a lot of Brooke and Danielle time, which I love them to death. And I just want to say they did an incredible job with their live show on Friday night. I met so many people at the show who loved them, but also happened to love my work. And it was really, really amazing to see how podcasts, like, you know, you can do a lot with these things nowadays. Like if you have been thinking about, oh, do I have it in me to start a podcast? Like honestly, such amazing things can come from it. Like the fact that we all gathered at Gramercy Theater to see two remarkable souls give an amazing performance and just open up and be amazing. I was so proud of them. I'm endlessly proud of them. And I just wanted to say that before I get into it. This is just a really honestly an uplifting episode, guys. I just want everyone to feel like this episode is a warm, warm hug. So today I'm going to tell a story and it's really amazing, but it's also one of those things where, you know, I love a little mystery. I love a little secret and it's a very well-kept secret that I'm going to talk about today. So let's get into it. Okay, where to begin? So our story, it takes us back in time to the 1970s. We're in West Tennessee, not far from Graceland, which you guys might remember as being the former home of Elvis Presley. I did a whole episode on Priscilla and Elvis. So if you guys want to hear more about that, check out that episode. But that's where we are. We're in West Tennessee and it is four in the morning and nine women are gathered in the darkness of night. They were gathered in secret No one knew what they were up to, not even their husbands or their children. They snuck out of bed and got together at 4 a.m. with a secret plan nearly every single day. And it was a secret that these women kept for 30 years, undetected. They had one mission and one mission only with their 4 a.m. meetings to create happiness. And everyone knows the way to someone's heart is often through their stomach. So some baking was involved. One of the women would begin sifting some flour, 
and another one would begin washing the eggs, and another one would make sure that the pans were all ready to go, and they often switched off depending on which of them felt like doing which task each day. A well-oiled machine, these nine women were, quietly bustling about the kitchen in the darkness of night. And honestly, the way that this story is beginning kind of gives me vibes of Twas the Night Before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, but these nine women were stirring, but very quietly in their kitchen, working on something magical. And we're going to get into just what that was in a second. But of the nine, there was one who was quote, in charge. Nana Pearl was her name because she was the oldest, they all like to joke. So flour on their aprons and the smell of vanilla and lime and lemon danced through the air as the women worked. Over the next three hours, the nine nanas, as they called themselves, and who all considered themselves to be sisters, though not all of them actually by blood, they would bake hundreds upon hundreds of pound cakes entirely in secret. And then before anyone saw or heard a peep from them, they would disappear back into their daily lives, tending to their families and going about their normal days, telling no one about this late night baking. They would package up all of the hundreds of pound cakes that they made and other treats and other cared items into a simple package with a note that read, somebody loves you. And even the UPS driver that they enlisted to come pick up all the packages was sworn to secrecy. All he needed was a hug and a sweet little care package of his own. And he would be out the door with the hundreds of packages. And, you know, what he didn't know wouldn't hurt him. He didn't really care. He was like, whatever, these sweet ladies are giving me treats and hugs. I'm going to help them. And he was a key part of their master plan. The Nana's plan of this late night baking was hatched over 45 years ago when they all got together for their weekly card game, which they husbands referred to as broads and bridge. (laughs) We all know women getting together to play cards or do anything for that matter isn't just about playing cards. It's about chatting. It's about the gossip. It's about discussing things that they might not tell their husbands. So Mary Ellen, one of the nine nanas, said that Pearl was the ringleader, that it was all her idea. But as she remembers it, they were all sitting around reminiscing about their mama and papa, which raised a few of the women, and all the different ways that mama and papa would lend a hand in their communities. And, you know, Mama Ruth would read in the paper that someone had died and she'd send off one of her special pound cakes. She didn't have to know the family. She just read about the obituary in the paper and decided that she wanted to put a little smile on someone's face. And so the nine women started thinking about what they could do to make a difference like that. What if they had a million dollars, they thought? How would they spend it? But alas, they were all housewives. They were dependent on their husbands and their husbands' jobs, and they had kids to raise, but they still wanted to do something. So the ladies began brainstorming ideas over that game of bridge 45 years ago, and one of the sisters suggested that they all start doing their own laundry and stop sending it off to be done so they could stash away some extra money and use it for good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mary Ellen says that she protested at first. There's just something about doing laundry that she didn't like. But she came around once all of the sisters in the candlelight, cards scattered all about, raised their palms in agreement. 
Among the nine of the women, they would all put aside about $400 a month, and their husbands never noticed a thing. Their shirts looked just fine, Mary Ellen said. The women had their plan in motion, and now they just needed to find deserving recipients. So, naturally, they did what women do best. They eavesdropped. They started eavesdropping at the local beauty shop, or when they were picking up groceries at the store, they kept an ear out, and when they heard about a widow or a single mother or someone who just needed some help, they would not only deliver one of their famous pound cakes, but they would anonymously pay a utility bill for her or buy some new clothes for the kids. We give a new meaning to the term drive-by, Mary Ellen said in an interview when they were finally discovered, which we'll get to, but they would drive through low-income neighborhoods at nighttime in secret. They would notice homes with no lights on at night, which meant there was probably a good chance that this person's utilities had maybe been turned off. Then they would return before the sun came up like cat burglars and drop off a little care package with a somebody loves you note and figure out how they could pay a utility bill or two. Sometimes they would also pull out the phone book and send pound cakes to complete strangers at random. They wanted to do as much good as they could without taking away from their own family's well-being and becoming found out by their husbands. They did not want their husbands to know, so they became extreme couponers. Like, I remember watching this show growing up, like, extreme couponing and how, like, they would stand at the checkout and just, like, watch. It was, like, the super dramatic show where it's, like, this person was an extreme couponer and wanted to get the whole order, like, $2,000 of groceries for free with the coupons. So these women were into that and they would also use these things called green stamps. They'd use green stamps. It would make sure that they went to their local goldsmith's department store on Wednesdays because that was when they were running big sales. And if you like me were hearing green stamps and wondering what exactly those were, let me tell you, it's actually really interesting. I think I missed this like in terms of when I grew up and when most of us grew up, I would say, because honestly, when they were popular, when they were first introduced, my parents weren't even born. It would be more of like my grandparents. and I don't remember them ever mentioning this, but green stamps were offered in certain parts of the US and Europe beginning in 1896, but they were most widely distributed in the US from the 30s to the 80s with a peak in the 60s and 70s, which is where our story is. So S&H green stamps, as they were called, were the first trading stamps popular around the US and Europe, although the company did have some competitors, so there's some variations. But S&H stands for the Sperry and Hutchinson Company, which was founded by Thomas Sperry and Shelley Byron Hutchinson in 1896. And it wasn't until the 30s that the company's reward programs became popular nationwide, and these little green stamps were distributed by various retailers as rewards for shoppers. So we have, you know, an equivalent today, but they were these little stickers almost. And these stamps, they could be collected into booklets. And the backs had this like sticky adhesive, like a postage stamp that had to actually, it wasn't even like a sticker. It was, you had to like lick it, you know, it was like a classic stamp. It had to be wet to adhere. And then the booklets were redeemed for rewards offered from the catalogs, or you can go to various centers and grocery stores. And many kids growing up at the time might remember their mom or their grandma asking them to peel and stick the stickers into these booklets. And that was like their little job. So by the 60s, this was when actually collecting stamps was very popular. So SNH actually claimed that it issued three times more stamps than the U.S. Postal Service. And it's estimated that 80% of American households collected these stamps during their peak and the recession of the 70s and into later years impacted green stamps and their popularity slowly declined. But if you have any laying around, 
maybe at grandma's house somewhere, you can actually still redeem them today. And I think they might be a novelty sort of thing. So anyway, back to our story, the nine nanas got into extreme couponing and using these green stamps to get the most bang for their buck to keep their good deeds going. For three decades, the nine nanas kept this huge secret of doing good. They didn't tell their husbands, they didn't tell their kids, and they were completely undiscovered by outsiders. Only that UPS worker slightly knew what they were up to, but no one caught on to them. No one that was given the gifts ever caught on to them. They completely did this in secret. And it was only when Mary Ellen's husband, who she lovingly calls the Southern Charmer, (laughs) started noticing extra mileage on the car and large amounts of cash being withdrawn from their savings account. And she said that one night he came to her with all the bank statements printed out and they were highlighted in the spots where he was like, what is going on here? And she tried to explain to him that she had just bought some extra things here and there, but he had this look on his face, she said, that she had never seen before. So she knew there was no lying her way out of this one. So she called the sisters and said, you all need to get over here right away. So they all gathered, all the nine nanas and their husbands gathered in a room and told their husbands about their 30 years of laundry, the eavesdropping, and even the secret drive-bys. And to their surprise, their husbands weren't angry, but instead offered to help them with their mission. The nine husbands were amazed that the women were doing this, but even more amazed that they never knew. Like, to me, I'm thinking about a few things here. I'm like, okay, how do you not notice that your wife disappears from bed? Like, nine wives disappearing from bed at four in the morning. How does no one notice this? I don't know. Maybe they were just early risers. So they thought they were just, you know, busying about the house, getting things done. I don't know. But also I'd be so curious. Like once I found out that money was disappearing, I'd be like, what is my wife up to? Like I really honestly thinking they're probably like, okay, this is it. This is all they were up to. They're just doing good deeds. Like any normal husband would, or I guess any respecting husband would be like, that's amazing. So I'm happy that none of the husbands were mad about it, or at least they weren't reported to have been mad about it because come on, this is an amazing deed. So the husbands also expressed that they didn't want them to stop doing this. All but three of the husbands were retired at the time, so sometimes they would even go with the women on the drive-bys. In their area at the time, all you needed was an address to pay someone's utility bill, so they kept the men busy on their drives, jotting down numbers, which I think is amazing. So like the wife would be driving, the husband as co-pilot, like jotting down numbers of houses that needed their utility bills paid for, which is just really brings a warmth to my chest. I don't know about you guys, but the women after this, after their husbands found out and they they didn't have to keep a secret anymore, they moved their operation out of their homes and into the commercial kitchen of a restaurant owned by one of their sons. But mind you, none of the kids knew. So they would sneak in before sunrise and sneak out before the staff would come in. And they also, at this point, hired a happiness coordinator for their team who, to keep her identity a secret, for her eavesdropping missions. They would send her out and have her eavesdrop and help them just gather information. They had her go by this code name of Sunny, of course. Like, of course, it's like a bright and cheerful name, Sunny. And her identity needed to be a secret too, of course, so she could help out and find more people who were in need. So even Sunny's parents didn't know her real job. They thought that she worked in marketing. (laughs) And it wasn't long before the couples decided... Okay, it's time to tell the kids. And again, to their surprise, the kids were extremely on board. Most of them were grown at the time because these women, I didn't disclose this earlier, but they're in like their 50s, 60s, 70s. So the kids helped their moms 
start selling Mama Ruth's pound cakes online. Of course, the kids being like, let's take this online. Let's post this somewhere so they could raise money to help even more people. And it wasn't long before the nine nanas were receiving more than 100 orders a day online. And this part made me so emotional when I first read it. Mary Ellen said that when they first started to see the orders roll in from the online website, they were jumping up and down. They were so excited that they did a ring around the rosy in the kitchen, and then they called the kids and said, okay, what do we do next? I'm just picturing these nine women in their aprons, like flour on their faces, jumping around so excited that they can help more people. Like, I could cry. Like, this just reaffirms that there's still good left in the world, okay? Back in 2012, the Nine Nanas donated more than $5,000 worth of pillows and linens and personal care products to a shelter for survivors of domestic violence with the Pound Cake sales funds. In the last 45 years, they contributed nearly $900,000 of happiness to their local community. And I tried to find their website, guys, to see what they've been up to lately, and I couldn't find it online. It looked like their site, their domain was expired, so I couldn't find them no matter how much I tried. I don't know if they maybe have moved to Facebook or something, but I assume that those still with us are making a mark on their community still. Like, after all, the fact that they helped out anonymously, that was the biggest thing to them. Like, the fact that they were anonymous. They even kept the secret from those closest to them because they didn't want it to be about this publicity thing. Like, I only found one article that they were interviewed by, like or one publication was the Huffington Post that they were interviewed by in 2012. So I think maybe part of it was like, we don't want this to be a huge story, you know? And here I am talking about it on the podcast, but only because like stories like this, it literally, it just, it really, like I said, reaffirms that there's still goodness left, that you can do these good deeds totally anonymously and feel so fulfilled and so happy. And it's not even a selfish thing because the reason why they felt so great about what they were doing was because they were helping other people. Like picturing these ladies doing a ring around the rosy because they got money so they can make more pound cakes for more people just warms my soul. So one final little quote from Mary Ellen. She said, not everyone is as lucky as we were to have mama and papa to take care of us, to fix all those things that were wrong. So this is our way of giving back. We want people to know that someone out there cares enough to do something. We want to make sure that happiness happens. Oh, just warms your soul, doesn't it? So I learned a new word recently related to this. The word is altruism. I'd heard of it, but it's one of those words where sometimes I hear a word and I'm like, okay, I kind of know what that means, but not fully. Like I know the association. I know if it's in a sentence, I'm going to understand the sentence, but I don't really know what this word means to its core. And altruism is when we act to promote someone else's well-being, even at a risk or cost to ourselves. And the cost, obviously, it can be money, it can be time, it can be anything. I mean, obviously, there's some things you could do that are more risk to you than making a pound cake, but it's still a cost. Like the women, they dedicated their time, they dedicated maybe some stress involved for keeping this secret. Like I honestly can't keep a secret to save my life. So I am honestly proud of them for keeping that secret for 30 plus years. But it's reminding me of the latest song from Taylor Swift in Antihero, where she's like, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman. So altruism, you are helping someone else out even at a risk or cost to yourself. And 
I've done some volunteering recently and I have to say it just honestly better than any workout. Like, and I say that because when you work out, it's something that was hard to do or not hard, but like, you know, it could be hard. It's you dedicate time, you get yourself out of bed, you do something that, you know, that isn't like your favorite activity in the entire world, like it's going to be maybe strenuous, but you leave and you feel this surge of I did that and you feel like you did something good. And with volunteering, it's like that, but it's also like, I did something that wasn't for me for once. Like I wasn't obsessed with myself in the moment. I was doing something purely because it would benefit someone else. And granted, the few volunteer opportunities I've had recently was actually in partnership with brands. So brands organized it. It was really cool. The other day, I went to the Bowery Mission, which is this shelter here in Manhattan with free people. And they sponsored this time where they assisted, I think, with donations. But Mostly, they had all of the ambassadors come in and we were packaging up food and getting things ready for Thanksgiving. Like this was a few weeks ago. And I want to do more things like that, but I want to do a lot of things anonymously. Like this story taught me that, yes, I can do good. And, you know, good is good at the end of the day, but there's something so special about doing something with no one else knowing who was responsible. And it doesn't give you that like self-importance like, oh, yes, I did this good thing. Look at me. I'm the best. It's like I did this good thing and it made me feel good. Sure, like that's bound to happen. You're bound to feel good for doing something for someone else, but no one else needs to know about it. Like doing things that have meaning in general, if you think about it, like if you're looking for your purpose in life, doing something with meaning to you or to someone else, it does fill you. It fills you up. It fills up your cup with a sense of purpose. And having a sense of purpose, if you think about it, is directly linked with overall happiness, in my opinion. I think if you're going through a good moment in time, just in general, not related to volunteering at all, but just in your own personal life where you feel like you're really happy, I think every single time that I can at least trace in my life where I felt really, really undeniably happy, it's been because I felt like I have fulfilled a sort of purpose like I found or maybe I found my purpose because I think a lot of us are just walking around the earth trying to find something that makes us feel like we're useful and like our life has meaning not to be dramatic but I really do think that when we're sad it's because we've maybe lost our grip on that and we kind of forget why we're here or we don't know yet why we're here you know, people try to make sense of their lives. I know I always and constantly do. So having a purpose provides meaning by offering a reason for existing. Like you exist to not only help yourself and live well, but also helping other people. It makes you feel so darn good and it makes them feel so darn good. It's best when you have zero reason to besides just you have some goodness in you and you want to give it to someone else, you know? And I know that I've kind of, you know, brought each of these little points back to, oh, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Yes, that's an added bonus, but I do want to obviously focus on the fact that it makes other people feel so seen and loved. Like the part of the story that really warmed my heart the most was that little note that they wrote on every single of these little pound cakes they shipped out. If they were doing hundreds a day, like imagine how many over 30 years they were shipping out to these people that they didn't know. And they said in the note, somebody loves you like that. Oh my God. If I open my door, like obviously there are people very, very deserving. But personally, if I was one of those people and I opened my door and saw a little package of a pound cake or anything with somebody loves you, like, and if I'm having a bad day or I'm going through a really tough time, like imagine how much that would help someone just to know and feel so seen. So I love that. But I did do some research. I was, you know, looking into psychology and, and how volunteering, like the effect that it has on a person, because at the end of the day, like 
we, you know, human beings are not to say selfish, but a little bit like, you know, I think it's important to say that, oh, it does make you feel very good as well. It makes you feel the sense of purpose. It makes you feel very good. But I read in this psych article that donating money to charity activates the same regions of the brain that respond to monetary rewards, like getting paid or getting a big paycheck or sex. Like it literally activates those pleasure regions of the brain. Columbia University has revealed that when you help others navigate their stressful situations, you enhance your own emotional regulation skills and thus you benefit your own emotional well-being. And I don't know, I feel like in certain ways when I help someone else, even if it's just listening to someone, like I have a friend that's going through a tough time and I was just sitting at dinner with her listening to her and just making eye contact, just listening. Even if you don't have the time to dedicate to helping out organizations right now or to bake a pound cake, just listening to someone. Oh my God. Like Think about the times where you've really been going through it and you're talking to someone and you feel just so heard, even if they don't have the exact things to say. Like, I feel like there's this pressure to be like, oh, I have the exact solutions and you always want to be that person who has the solutions. But even if you don't, because someone is going through something that is larger than you know how to help with, just listening to them and being like, I am here for you, even if it's just an ear because that's all I can offer, that is just huge. And it makes, I think, you better emotionally as well. And finally, when we help other people, our brains, they emit three chemicals, I read, and they are often referred to as the happiness trifecta, which I think the women with their happiness project would love to hear this. So it emits serotonin, which this produces an intense feeling of well-being. You know, we know we've heard serotonin be used a lot on TikTok, I feel like. It also emits dopamine, which intensifies motivation. And then finally, oxytocin, which increases a sense of connection to others, if you guys have heard the Billie Eilish song. So the happiness trifecta, if you just do something to help someone else and it looks different for everyone, but I have to say my mission, maybe like one of my 2023 resolutions and missions is to do more anonymous good because I think the hardest part of doing anonymous good is finding a way to start with it, you know, without having to ask someone, oh, like, where did you do this? Like, you kind of have to do your own scouting. But I think, I mean, there's so many resources out there. And I, myself, like I said, the Bowery Mission's a really great place to start if you guys are in New York City or any shelter, I feel like can always use help. And I want to do more of that in 2023. And these women, they inspired me. So I'm really glad they came out of their anonymity and they shared their story in 2012. Because if, I mean, not if they hadn't, I wouldn't be doing good. But it does help to hear these stories of women who for 30 years did this completely under the radar, out of the goodness of their hearts. But I also imagine it did fuel them because when you're in on something, when you have a mission, think about like the feeling you get when you have a mission with your friends and you all are working towards a common goal and a common good. That must have felt so amazing. And they also probably, you know, they were housewives and they were doing, you know, very similar tasks every single day to help their families. This was something exciting and secret and something that just made them feel so needed and so, or not needed, but so useful, you know, in a different way than just doing their laundry or the laundry for the husbands and making dinner for the kids. And it's just uh, stories like these that I just always have to share. So hope you guys enjoyed this uplifting, heartwarming episode of the pod. 
And yeah, I'm going to have some more positive stories because I know this time of year can be really tough for people. I know I've had these little feelings of sadness and like worry and doubt. And it really just takes a story like this to make me feel like, okay, you know what? My life is very useful. Like I can do so much and maybe it would even help me to get out of my own head and into someone else's life, even a little way, like a little bit just to help someone else like, oh, gives you that happiness trifecta, guys. So thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode. Thank you for your support this year. I really appreciate you. And I will talk to you guys all next week on another episode of Thick and Thin. Bye.